coming up this week off screen. Jake Gyllenhaal is stronger. You better watch out for Levi Miller. Prepare for Brigsby Bear. We meet Menashe. Richard Gere and Steve Coogan have dinner. I Weiwei charts the human flow. David Niven faces a matter of life and death. And all shall tremble before the blade of the immortal. All those to come and more off screen. This is this is off screen. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. Welcome to Offscreen, I'm Vanka. I'm Kelly Needham. So, Ms Needham, uh, so some housekeeping, we have to address why you're here. Cause obviously the elephant in the room. Elephant in the Don't room. Don't call me an elephant. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, we, we we normally pre-record this show on Wednesdays, yes. right, so that we, we can get this out in time, get it produced nothing in time. Um, however, this week I was stuck at the junket for Molly's game. No, I you. know, hashtag first world problems, I know. <laughs> um, unfortunately, that meant that the only time we could do this was on Thursday, which is right now, and Case has a gig. So uh, lucky for me. I know. So so you're here to, to, to fill in the, the hipster void, as it were. Uh you've brought your glasses and fashionable sweater along for the occasion. It's a Deadpool Christmas sweater. Does it say Merry Chimmy Merry Chimmy Chongas? It? it does. Excellent. <laughs> um but of course, Case will be back next week. We have already Never we, fear. we've planned the Star Wars uh, episode. However, because of Case being absent this week, um that does leave one thing hanging, and that's the disaster artist, because Case really wanted to review that. So I have told him that uh, we will hold that review for him, that he can no. review that when he comes back. I haven't seen it, so I can't talk about it anyway. Oh, fair enough then. So okay. it's only it's only Case. Case is doing that review, so it's all there for when he gets back. Reason to come back next week then. Exactly. So tune in next week when we'll be talking about the film that came out this week, but was press shown two weeks ago. So... Too complicated. Funny old world, isn't it? It really <laughs> is. Turns out there is such a thing as too much James Franco. But uh, So uh, let's start with a piece of film news then. Is there something you like in the film news that you want to talk about? There is. And I don't know how I feel about it. Because okay. I have mixed feelings about Disney doing their live action remakes. Do, do you have mixed feelings about I did, I didn't like Jungle Book. Okay, but what about Little I Beauty and the Beast? I didn't like Cinderella. Baby and the Beast. I wasn't massively keen on Beauty and the Beast. In your family, I, the family of I musical know. performers. Really, this is this is not what you do. Okay. But I'm looking forward to Lion King. But anyway, that's not the news. <laughs> okay. The news is that they've cast Mulan. Okay, they have cast Mulan. And just for once, they've actually kept their word. Hmm. And they said, we're going for a predominantly Asian cast. Well, okay, that's that's impressive if you manage it. None of us expected them to actually go through with it. It's true. I mean, I, I'll be honest, I, I kind of thought the chick who plays Blink on X-Men The Gifted, whatever it is on TV, kind of <laughs> thought she'd be going along for... Uh, that. Jamie Chung, I want to say? I, I kind of thought she'd be going along for it just as the most American Asian actress they could find. But no, they've got... Uh, they've got an actress. What's her name now? Her name Yai, is Lu Yifei. Yifei, I believe her name Yifei. is, yeah. Um, and by all accounts, perfect for the gig, so... I'm still expecting the American sidekick, Gillian Bell. We were talking about her earlier. Perfect. She's going to be the white woman sidekick. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to confess something to you now. Um, but obviously, as you know, my sister is uh, like half a decade younger than me. Mm. And so at the point that Mulan was out, you know, I was in my teen years. And I didn't mm-hmm. really pay much attention to my sister. So I, uh, I never really paid attention to the films she watched, et cetera. Yeah. Um, so I'm not really that up to speed on Mulan. I've seen Mulan. Uh-huh. Don't remember it. All I remember is 
Melinda May from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is Mulan. Yes. And Eddie Murphy's a dragon? Is that Mushu. right? Mushu. Yeah, there isn't a white woman sidekick, but that won't stop them. We know what they're doing with Aladdin. <laughs> we know what Come they're on. doing with Aladdin, yeah. But no, they have, to be fair, they have replaced... Uh, well, no, they replaced Jasmine with a white woman, to be fair. But, have they? Uh, well, Naomi Scott's basically a white chick, right? Is there still she? a girl from Power Rangers? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, to yeah. be fair, yeah. But I, I think they sort of explain that way as, meh, she's got dark hair, no <laughs> one's counting. Brown eyes. <laughs> Brown eyes, no one's counting. We it's what we call, know. we call it the Antonio Banderas defence. Oh, such a good point. Yeah, you Ooh, see. Awkward. So for someone like me... I'm Egyptian. Exactly. No, you're not. For someone like me, <laughs> I don't get to get offended every time they cast Antonio Banderas as an Arab because... Uh, at least they went somewhere than they just do. At least it's not like uh, not like the olden times when they would just tell us Charlton Heston or Sean Connery were were Egyptians. That's happened, oh, by the way. So awkward. Sean Connery once played an Egyptian Did with he? a Scottish accent. Well, we know many of them. Yes, to Opp- be fair. opposite a Frenchman playing a Scotsman. But then you look at what was that one? It's not even that long ago where it was about Egypt, Egyptian gods, and it was Gerard Butler, and he was Scottish in it as gods well. Of Egypt. That's it. Oh, it was awful. Uh, got its ass handed to it. <laughs> really did. <laughs> Anyway, do we know this lady from somewhere? Is she is she in films? Uh, no, I don't actually. I don't, I don't know her myself. Well, she has a small following, so cool. Know, I, they, they seem very happy. So the internet has has translated this for us. So that's fair play. I'm just hoping someone's going to cover the Christina Aguilera song, which I'm not going <laughs> to sing right now. But. I forgot she even did that. <laughs> but uh, well, you know, Kelly Clarkson's still around. She could cover it. I don't know. I, who who is a young female singer? I'm so out of touch. Kelly Clarkson is not it. <laughs> She's not it. Kelly Clarkson is not a young female singer anymore. No. She's now a middle-aged man. <laughs> she is. Okay, all right, all right. Let anyway, me, let me anyway. get to... Okay, let's plug the competitions of the podcast. Yes. We've got some great competitions on the go. Uh, one I'm very, very, very excited about. So, mm-hmm. at the moment, go onto the on-screen website, onscreenfilm.com forward slash competitions, or just onscreenfilm.com, and, and just, you know what, put in some effort. Scroll down. Browse around. Browse around. Come on, we're not doing all the work for you. Um, anyway, there's some competitions. All you need to do is enter your details. And what can we win? Them. That's what the people want to know. I'm dragging this out because I like keeping you in suspense. So, <laughs> the Hitman's Bodyguard. Ooh, right. nice. Not only are we giving you the chance to win that on DVD, we are also giving you, with it, a poster signed by Samuel L. Jackson and Salma Hayek. What? And we have more than one. What? I know, I'm shocked too. The signed poster, we have more than one of these. Did so you get them signed personally? I did not personally, the publicist did that for us. But uh, we are also giving away Blu-rays of Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets, the first five minutes of which are actually the best film of this year. I was going to say, based on what you told me, yeah. it's worth it, just for first, the opening. First five minutes, best film of this year. Cool. The rest of it, not so much. Very good, very good, but it's not Fifth Element. But we're coming up to Christmas where you want to put films on and kind of fall asleep, so that works. And now TV don't have Valerian, so you can't watch that at Christmas. So ha-ha. There you go. Uh, They are showing Beauty and the Beast on Christmas Day, though, internet. Um, I will be watching it. Uh, Mm. We're also giving away England is Mine, which I never got the chance to see, Mm. which is the Morrissey biopic. Uh, You're not a Morrissey fan? I like some of his songs. Are you that one person that didn't have a Morrissey face as a teenager? Yeah, probably. Oh, okay. Well, you know what Kermit always says. Everyone grows out of their Morrissey face, except Morrissey. But um, yeah, there you go. So, okay, quick review then. Let's get this one done in four Let's minutes. Do it. Uh, what have we got? What was our first review of the week? We're going to go with Stronger. Oh, podcast. We didn't plug podcast. Plug that podcast. Plug that podcast. Plug that podcast then. Plug it okay. too. Plug that podcast. Yeah. Anyway, um, 
Okay, podcast edition, extended stuff, more reviews, moment of cage, more film news, all after the end credits on the podcast edition. Find it on Acast, find it on Deezer, find it on iTunes. Just pick your podcast platform of preference. Go on, choose it. And now we shall review Stronger. I was very impressed with that. The alliteration was in there and everything. Oh, thank you, thank you. I, I pride myself <laughs> on my alliteration. So, Stronger, which is the second movie this year about the Boston Marathon bombing. Ah. Because obviously we kind of started this year with one. Patriots Day was right at the beginning of the year. That, Mark that was Mark, Mark, Mark yeah. Wahlberg, yeah. And now we have uh, Jake Gyllenhaal in one, because originally there was mm-hmm. meant to be three. Right. There was Patriots Day, there was this, and there was another one starring Casey Affleck. And the Casey Affleck one, because of the other two, just got folded up and added to Patriots Day. So now you only have well, two. a good thing for us based on his... So, you know, yeah, exactly. Business. So now we have this one from director David Gordon Green, who is, of course, going to direct the Halloween reboot next. Ah. Um, this stars Jake Gyllenhaal as the Costco... This is the, he, was, he was a Costco worker, Jeff Bowman. Mm-hmm. He's spelled Bowman. Um, I don't know if it, he kind of briefly factors into the plot of uh, Patriot's Day. I don't know if you know the story. I never saw it. He's the man who stood by the finish finish line of the marathon. Yeah. When the bomb went off, it took both his legs, and he Ooh. identified the bomber. Ah, okay. And, yeah. So what the film does, though, is the film takes us not down that path of exploring that, mm-hmm. but actually kind of just dismissing it. So story happens, sort of five, ten minutes in, we have the bombing. It's almost an offhand thing that he, not that he identifies the bomber, but having identified the bomber gives him a certain level of, of fame, a low level sort of local fame. He becomes mm-hmm. a sort of local hero because of it. Um, what we then have is him adjusting to his life, you know, in a wheelchair, you know, with prosthetic legs, having to basically rebuild his life, and be, you know, walk again, as he puts it. His right. whole dream is he wants to walk with the love of his life again, who's played Aww. by, she's played by Tatiana Maslany from, do you ever see Orphan Black? That series. No. It's not big on Netflix. Netflix yeah. yeah. Um, I saw her in The Woman in Gold. She's played the young Helen Mirren in The Woman in Gold. Ooh. But, uh, yeah. she's She's a great actress. I, so the internet tells me for every time there's a new episode of Orphan Black. And having seen the movie, I'm inclined to agree with them. She is his ex-girlfriend. He goes to the, the, the race to try and impress her. Bomb goes off. And there's a certain guilt element involved. This is him asking her to become part of his life after the fact. How you doing? Yeah, you know. I, I, I don't really, I didn't get yet a bad time, but I, uh, you know, it's the uh, Bruins playoff game against Chicago mm. next week, and they asked me to come out there on the ice. On the ice? Yeah, I'm not like on that, not to play, but you know, to be the band captain and like wave the flag. It's kind of like singing the national anthem, but for people who suck at singing. You sure you want to do that? Well, everybody says I should. It's the Stanley Cup, so. I was wondering if maybe you wanted to come with me and my family. I don't think that I could uh, do it without you. And I know that's not really fair for me to say, and I'm really, I'm sorry, um, but I, um, I really need you right now. This has had a weird controversy surrounding it initially because mm-hmm. people were annoyed that they had cast an actor with legs to play, um, to play a role that involved him not having legs, okay. despite the fact that. To begin with, he does have legs. And the argument was raised of, well, you know, they could just CGI legs onto, uh, you know, an actor who didn't have legs. Like, well, that's twisted logic, and that doesn't even, that doesn't even justify any kind of serious discussion. That's, hmm. yeah. 
Um, because obviously they're hiring Jake Gyllenhaal. They're not hiring a guy with legs. They're hiring Jake Gyllenhaal. Well, yeah, you'd think that, that there was more yeah. than that that led there to the casting. There was more than that. It wasn't just, we need a guy with legs. Oh, get that Jake fellow. No, it was, get Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, having uh, sat through the film, I'd, I'd been told in advance the CGI and special effects work that's gone into effectively the Lieutenant Dan trick, mm-hmm. which he actually acknowledges at one point in the film. One of his oh. first things is to write down the words LT Dan. Um, they they are genuinely impressive. Mm-hmm. What really sells them, though, is how John Hall's performance makes it so seamless that you don't even notice they're there. You know that whole thing where if you don't notice the editing in a movie, yeah. that means it's edited well. Yeah. Right. Same thing here. You don't notice these effects. That's how seamless it is. It's like uh, Caesar in, in Planet of the Apes. You forget that's a special effect. Like Superman's moustache. Like Superman's moustache. You <laughs> never forget that's an effect. Um, <laughs> no, John Hall's terrific. Mazzini is absolutely superb as well. There's a great screenplay by uh, John Polono in there. Uh, really tight, attention-grabbing uh, direction by David Gordon Green. Mm-hmm. And the story genuinely is interesting. And I I, I thought it was so- it was something different for Jake Gyllenhaal actually because there's a level of vulnerability to him that I don't really think we really get elsewhere with him he is an actor who can do emotion but he doesn't tend to do big emotional roles he tends to do more kind of offbeat emotional roles yeah. though, doesn't he when he does an emotional role it's something like Demolition yeah which is I, I caught a bit on now TV I'm like wow I'd forgotten about this movie yeah, this yeah. is so much fun <laughs> Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. I do think it's worth seeing. Um, I think actually it's a stronger film than Patriot's Day was. It's certainly more emotional. It has a lot of that miracle kind of thing going for it <laughs> in a wonderful way. It, it, it's not afraid to delve into the sort of white trash elements of its characters. It never right. shies away from those. But at the same time, it doesn't want to navel gaze about it. It doesn't want, it doesn't want to rub a neck about it either. Sorry. It's a real story as well. This is the real guy. This is, this is the real guy. And, uh, I, I really enjoyed it. it was, you got, obviously you get the bit. <laughs> At the end of the film with, with the photo, the photos, yeah. and I'm sort of thinking, here comes the Peter, the, uh, the Peter Gabriel cover of Heroes right about now. <laughs> Never comes, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, I, I did really like it, and uh, I, 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 I vanished any, any any memory I had of Patriots though. Nice. So uh, yeah, win for me with the latest film news and reviews. This is Off Screen, the On Screen Radio Show. Savvy. So, where should we go now? Should we have another review? Have another review. What do you want to review? Well, I kind of don't want to, but I know we have to. Oh, it's the dinner, isn't it? <laughs> it's the dinner. You've seen this and hated it, didn't you? Unfortunately. <laughs> I mean, right. I think my, my words to you when I arrived here were, what the <laughs> was that? <laughs> okay, so I was looking forward to this. I, I, I'd say, I mean, on, on paper I was looking forward to it. Yeah, this. premise sounds yeah. awesome. Premise does. So what you have are uh, two sets of wealthy parents. The patriarchs of, of both families are brothers. Yes. So you have uh, Steve Coog who's a sort of more of an academic, isn't he? He's a teacher. He's a teacher, ex-teacher. Ex-teacher. Yeah. So Steve Coogan, with an American accent, we should stress, because that's going to come up later. His best Willem Dafoe. His best Willem Dafoe. He's married to, to is it Laura Linney? Yeah. And then his, his senator older brother, who's played by Richard Gere, is married to Rebecca Hall. Yes. In, in, in full, you know, razor bob cuts. Stern faced, sass face. But she's the like, she's the new wife. Yeah, she's, yes, she is, yes. And the idea is they meet for a very posh dinner. 
in a sort of exclusive out of the way restaurant Ridiculous where yeah restaurant. uh a nouveau cuisine hawk cuisine or nouveau cuisine hawk something like cuisine, that yeah and uh, the idea is they are meeting they don't get together very often they they've drifted apart however their sons have not their sons are actually quite close friends mm-hmm. and what has happened is that both of their children have been involved in some sort of a tragedy it's not gone public yet and the parents are meeting to determine exactly what's to be done about it here's a clip in which basically none of that that's getting talked about. I'm not going. Oh, it takes three months to get a reservation to this place. And, and Stan I really want... got it overnight. Congratulations. Okay, I'm well, not going. so you don't you don't want them here. You're supposed right. to go to their place. You don't want to go I'd anywhere. I'd stay home with you. The, that restaurant's a joke. Anyway, it's ridiculous. It sounds super exclusive and sexy and food art. Like going to France. During the German occupation, maybe. <laughs> Look, I'm sure we're going to get a great table. Great table on, a great restaurant, a great dinner and great company. It it comes at great expense. Stan will pay. I need help. I mean, that kind of expense. You you, you pay a bigger price for for not picking up a check. I see what you mean now, actually. The Willem Dafoe thing. He does sound like he's impersonating Willem Dafoe. It's really distracting. It is, isn't it? Uh, Not that you need distracting. Not as distracting as his his horrible taste in sweaters. True. And also, you know, it's just, I feel like... If you ever need someone to play John Oliver in a biopic, Steve Coogan could probably do that. That's true. It's true, isn't it? Okay, so um, this isn't very good. No. Is, is the short way of putting it. It should be. It could have been. Right. If, if we'd gone with the basic remit, the plot as I just laid it out to you, which is parents get together, children have been involved in a tragedy, let's discuss it. You know, whole thing set at a dinner table, there's some yep. flashbacks to the thing. That's the movie. That's like a David Mamet play. It would be terrific. However, Israeli director or, uh, Ovo, Oven? What's his name? No idea. Oren. Oren Moverman, sorry. Well, shame on you. He was the director of uh, Rampart and Time Out of Mind. Do you remember Rampart? I the Woody really Harrelson? didn't like Rampart either. I didn't. And uh, Time Out of Mind had, I think, some moments but didn't quite work. That presumably is why he's reteamed with Richard Gere for this. Mm. Um, Because of that film. Right, the cast is there, and they are trying. Steve Coogan cannot make, can't make that accent work. No, can't. It just feels silly throughout. Mm. Uh, Laura Linney feels like, uh, I don't know, it feels like half of a script's missing at different points. Yeah, but I, I feel like that's intentional. Like, mm. it's the kind of film that made me feel stupid. <laughs> and I don't like that. That's fair. It, the problem is that it just keeps going off on these weird tangents that have absolutely nothing to do with anything ever. Yes. Like, there are flashbacks who seems like, why have you shown me that? Why? Why did I need to see that? What possible information have I gleaned from the past five minutes you have just spent in this bizarre flashback to, you know, the time you're all at a lake house or something like that? I don't care. Yeah. Go back to the story, please. Yeah, who is this person? I don't know who they are. And they'll say yeah. something, you think, I've missed something. Exactly. Well, there's, yeah, there's a whole thing. It took me a good three or four goes round to actually work out who Chloe Savini exactly. was meant to be. Yeah, I was thinking the exact same thing. Yeah. Um, it just feels muddled. It's over long. It's two hours long, and you two start thinking, hours. keep this at the dinner table, have some flashbacks to the kids. This is 90 minutes. Go. And don't even get me started on the end. I mean, clearly we can't go oh. there for spoilers. No, no, we can't. Don't but... even get me started on that. Oh, I know. Um, as I say, I mean, if anyone's the MVP of this one, it's probably Richard Gere, but I think that's by default almost, by virtue of being the biggest name at the table. And also, the last thing I saw him in was Movie 43, so the only way is up. <laughs> That's very true. Uh, no, I didn't rate the dinner at all. Um, I, I just, I don't know what it is with our movement. His films just don't grab me. I don't think he's a particularly insightful writer. I know, I can see the intent is there. I can see that that mm. intent is there and the effort is being put in, but it, the, the results just aren't showing up for me. And his direction, yeah. I find his direction a little plain. 
Uh, this is basically just, this is just soft focus, basically. This is yeah. a soft focus chamber piece for the most part. It's just like, it, it feels like it's trying to be really arty and really, really mm. deep. And, You're like, but, please, there's, there's more art on the dinner plates. Come yeah. on, mate. Pack it I, I did have a quick look, actually, and it is based on a book. Oh, okay. But we thought stage play. Yeah. Well, what I understand, though, they've completely changed it. So they've lawnmower manned it? Yeah, well. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Why? I don't know. <laughs> Who knows with these things? Who knows? Shall we uh, Shall we uh, skip the news and go straight to the top ten, then? Yeah, uh, Top ten, it. top five. I was going to say, not done that for a while. Yeah. Top five, please. Number five. It is Murder on the Orient Express. Alas, I have not seen Murder on the Orient Express, and at this rate, it'll be gone by next week. Well, so good I job I to... have, then, isn't it? Oh, you have? No. Oh, my <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> don't tease me, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just know you guys have been saying for weeks now, none of you have seen it. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. So, have you got a, a tweet for I do, at the least we have a tweet. So this is from A. Muiz, so at Muiz Razak MR, apologies. Okay. So he says, Murder on the Orient Express, mind-bogglingly astonishing, incredible, fast-paced drama, (laughs) like this bit, like a book you can't put down. Five stars. You mean like it comes from? (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Okay. Number four. Wonder. (laughs) Wonder, which I really enjoyed. Now, having said that, it is mawkish, cloy, nauseating. It's practically dripping in its own self-indulgent vomit. And yet, it's so charming and so sweet. I'm not kidding. Go and see this, Kel. And I, I promise, don't know if I can. I promise you will cry at least once. That's what I mean. I'm not sure I right. need that. At least once, <laughs> possibly up to four or five times oh, throughout the course of this film. You of all people will weep in this film. Yeah, I'm not sure I'm up Because I, I know a few it's of your I know a few of your hot buttons in films that yeah. will really get you going. And I think this Well you gave a more. big hint last week, so I know what one of the things is. Uh, d- did I'm not even going to read oh, oh, it. Oh, okay. I think I know. I think I know. Um, <laughs> Listen to last week if you don't know what I'm talking about. Well, we, we thought we were being clever. Never mind. Um, but no, I, I really like Jacob Tremblay in this. I think he's tremendous. I mean, we also surprisingly good as well. Wow. You know, the thought like, wow. Occasionally you've got to get it right. Yeah, yeah. It turns out Broken Clock can be right exactly twice a day. <laughs> and uh, Julie Roberts' supporting role. But I, I really liked um, Isabel Vudokovic. I think it plays the sister. I think she's tremendous, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But at last, do we have a tweet? We do. Uh, so we have at Christina Haskell. Okay. Um, and she says, everyone needs to go and see the Wonder Movie right now. This movie needs to be shown everywhere. Classrooms, clubs, support groups, daycares, and especially homes. Teach your kids to have an open mind and know that everyone has their own battles. So be kind. Hashtag Wonder Movie. You know, I say similar things about Snowpiercer. Number three. Justice League. Oh, yay. Oh, no. I I don't know where to begin with this anymore. Well, do you know, I actually didn't hate it as much as you hate it. I know that, but like I've pointed out to you, you went into it after being told by many, many people in the world that it was a terrible film and the worst thing that could possibly be. Yeah, but I I went in with zero expectations. Uh. It was rubbish, but I was entertained. Things were flashy. Things blew up. But... I mean, I cringed a lot. Don't get me wrong. The thing, I cringed they weren't a lot. flashy. They were just badly lit and cartoon-like in their in their sort of incomplete CGI renders. Yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, do you know what I only just noticed earlier on a clip from that film? What? That there is a moment in which Aquaman actually quotes a character from Rick and Morty. Does he? 
when he's, I think he's flying with Cyborg and he says, my man. Oh. And I'm like, why would you do this? Yeah, I mean, I found him really annoying. I found uh, Ezra Miller really annoying. Well, I found most of them really annoying. I found them all really annoying. In but their windowless was, rooms. Again, with their completely... It was like, things happened, whatever. With their ghost George Superman. <laughs> it, it's a horrible movie. It's like, I mean, Wonder Woman's... Are there to be objectified? Really? Yeah. It's, that was not, only, not only can we now say, it's 2017, for God's sake, we can also say, hang on a minute, we've just had two movies about Wonder Woman. That's and she was a different character. Technically three. And the whole point was, you don't objectify Wonder Woman, yo. But you know what? Only a movie as truly soullessly poor as, as Justice League ever really could. So please tell me what uh, Twitter has to say on the matter. <laughs> so we've got the competitor. So at competitor says, BVS was great. Justice League was the best I saw this year. And if you think different, then you're one of the critics. Well, it's actually factually accurate. And... Uh, <laughs> He's never seen Snowpiercer. Number two. Daddy's home too. <laughs> Daddy's home too. Well, uh, do you know what? Uh, the, the the whole Mel Gibson thing is starting to actually pick up minor traction. People are is starting it? to... A lot of, like, uh, let's just say women's mags are sort of writing articles about it online, things like that, about the... Has anyone noticed this? And you're like, yes. Yes, a lot of people noticed it because a lot of people saw the movie. Um, yes, it is inappropriate that Mel Gibson is in what's being pitched as a family movie. Yes, it is inappropriate to have to... Win not once, not twice, but three times. Mel Gibson tell a small child that it's perfectly okay to walk up to a girl, grab her, plant one on her, and then slap her on the ass and say, thanks, sweetheart. And it works out. And it works out, because this is a movie. And you know what, to be honest with you, you come away from it all, and you think, if you can just get over that shock, the film is basically funny. And it does have a great Christmas musical sort of sequence in Mm. it that I, I really enjoyed. It's not got enough John Cena for my liking. Mark Wahlberg's been watered down to the point of being barely recognisable, and only Will Ferrell's really giving it much of a go, because John Lithgow and Mel Gibson are just in the corner playing themselves. But you know what? It was still better than Bad Mom's Christmas, so... Meh. Meh. Should we see what Twitter, Twitter said? Yeah, go on. So, at Bob Girante 1. I like it. There you go. Uh, same about the 1. I don't yeah. know what's that. Yeah. Anyway... Uh, they say, went to watch Daddy's Home 2, and I don't know what's up with me, but I was getting all emotional. I never get emotional. I love how when you say it, you sound like a hitman in a movie. It's like <laughs> a Liam Neeson character. I'm trying to do my Willem Dafoe. Number one. It's Paddington 2. Have you had the pleasure yet? No, I haven't seen the first oh, one. Have you not seen Paddington? No. What is wrong with people? I don't know. I kind of be... thought it wouldn't be very good. Oh, this is, this is the thing, right? I, I, it's one of those films that when you saw the first Paddington, yeah. you knew instantly, oh my God, this is going to become an institution. This is going to become a national thing. Yeah. And it's not caught on quite as much as I would have liked, but it does seem to have built some traction. I mean, it has made Paddington a fully recognisable character again, which is quite nice. I have to say, I've only heard really amazing things about this Paddington ah, too. I, I guarantee you, because it's been three years this Christmas mm. since Paddington was out. Yeah. So it's got to be on TV somewhere this Christmas. Uh, if it is, I will if watch it. If it is, it, I you promise. absolutely must watch it. And then, when we do our sort of post-Christmas cinema trip that we always do, where you fall asleep, yeah. um, we'll go see Paddington too. There you go. Okay, deal. That's it. And we'll, we'll, we'll prepare some marmalade sandwiches. and <laughs> Because I love the film so much i will go and see it again with adults and i don't care i will i will i love this movie the I, only really way to see I was the charmed by at one point i openly wept in this movie that's oh, how much no. i love this movie oh yeah it'll break you too oh, man. 
So has anyone broken on Twitter? Um, well, we've got at Eric Matic. Okay. He says, I have the largest grin on my face. Absurdly adorable and heartwarmingly charming. This was also shot stupid good. That's capital stupid. Uh, talking wow. Wes Anderson-esque. Couldn't believe my eyes. Cinema is alive and well, and it's all thanks to Paddington 2. So, Wes Anderson is shot stupid good? Shot Love stupid it. good, yo. I'll remember that when Isle of Dogs comes out. With the latest film news and reviews. I have This is Offscreen. Screen. <laughs> The on-screen radio show. And we're back. So, Ms. Needham, it's time for me to talk about something that I've been really looking forward to discussing with someone. Okay. And that is Brigsby Bear. Did you say Paddington Bear? No, not Paddington Bear. Brigsby Bear. Ah, of course, Brigsby, yeah. Right, so, um, the Brigsby Bear, I'll be honest with you, I kind of assumed it was a a character that existed. Yeah. Yeah, like Paddington. I assumed it was like, maybe it's like an American thing I just don't Mm. know about. Right, no... No, and that's the point. Okay. Right, okay. So, <laughs> just strap yourself in, because this gets mad. <laughs> okay. So, you've got a a, a guy, he's kind of in his early 20s, kind of college-age guy, mm-hmm. uh, James slash Jimmy. So, <laughs> he's played by Carl Mooney from Saturday Night Live, mm-hmm. uh, who all, he also writes and produces the film. Okay. And uh, he, he's that guy, if you don't know what he looks like, he looks like uh- that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, he is living in a bunker underground, post-apocalyptic, with his two parents. His dad, of whom is played by uh, Mark Hamill. His mum is Jane, Jane Adams from Hung. Ah, Remember his sheep in from Hulk yeah. from Hung. Yeah. And, uh, right, he uh, lives in this underground bunker. He devotes his time to trying to decode the messages of this TV show, Brigsby Bear, on his antiquated, very 1980s-esque techno- retro technology that he has. Because mm-hmm. that's, you know, at the point the world ended. And uh, this show, Brigsby Bear, seems to have begun life as, like, a play school-style children's show that taught kids how to read. Okay. And then has weird evolved into this full-blown, cleverly orchestrated, mapped-out, story-arced space opera, mm-hmm. like Battlestar Galactica or something. Okay. Right. And that's what he's doing. He's trying to decipher the conspiracy theories within. However, all of this falls by the wayside where one day the doors of the bunker fly open, the FBI break in and decide to remove the kidnap victim that these two people have been hiding underground for decades. <gasps> Say what? Exactly. It also then transpires that Brigsby Bear was a product of his father slash abductor to keep him in line. What? Yeah, his father has been hiring studio space and waitresses to star in this thing. So it's kind of evolved as he's That's got why it's evolved. It's evolved specifically to him. Mm. Right. He then decides, as he's reunited with his birth family and brought into the modern world, which he has no knowledge of whatsoever, mm-hmm. that he wants to finish the story of Brigsby Bear. Mm. And as it happens, there's a shed load of, of filming equipment left over from his dad, you know, because obviously the police have impounded it. And all he needs to do is get that back, and he will, guerrilla-style film, his own Brigsby Bear. Conclusion. We have a clip of the police officer handling his case, played by Greg Kinnear, mm. turning up at his house to deliver some of this equipment. James! Just the man I was looking for. Wait, where's all your soldier stuff? Huh? I'm off duty right now. Now look, there's no way I could get you everything on that list, alright? But forensics does have more evidence than they know what to do with, so I figured they wouldn't miss a couple items, like... 
The sword is crystal. That's what I thought. Yeah, and I found uh, this in back. Wasn't on the list, but... Fortep staff! I thought, I thought that was stuck in a time flux. I don't know what that is, but it's got a nice weight to it. And uh, last but not least, one of these bad boys. That's Brigsby. Carl Mooney there with Greg Kinnear. And uh, I just, I love this movie so much. Sounds I, insane. It, it, it's bonkers, but it's bonkers in that way that Donnie Darko was bonkers. Yeah. Imagine, if you will, the more comedic answer. I mean, it's still quite blackly comedic, but it's got a slight bit more broad appeal to it than Donnie Darko. Not as confusing. I Not as confusing. A bit more straight. <laughs> it's more straightforward, but it has, it treads similar ground in, in one sense. That mm. sort of off kilter, slightly out of the way kind of kind of way that Donnie Darko dealt with things. If I were going to compare it to anything, really, though, I would say, do you ever see Blast in the Past with Brendan Fraser yes. and Lisa Silverstone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Imagine that movie if when Brendan Fraser got out of the bunker, he was on PCP. Right. Okay. That's basically this movie, <laughs> but it doesn't have Christopher Walken. It has Mark Hamill instead, and Mark Hamill's evidently up to the job, which no one expected. So, the cast are all brilliant. Mm -hmm. Absolutely all brilliant. Um, I liked Matt Walsh and Michaela Watkins, who I think is really underrated, um, as his birth parents. Uh, June Adams is always fun to see. Carla Mooney, I thought, really brought something to this. Managed to resist wandering into kind of nebbish kind of of territory. but yeah, I, I had a lot of fun with it. I, I I really did. I didn't expect it at all, but I liked how it it had all these great elements of other great movies. It did something unique with them. It didn't fall back on basically aping those movies too much. Um, there's a bit of Be Kind Rewind in there, for instance, with the yeah. staging of the movie. The whole retro Brigsby thing is fantastic. Some of the bizarre messages that are in the bits that we see, for instance. Yeah, I'm very intrigued by that, I have like, to say. Remember, kids, sweat is just your brain's way of pushing the poison out of your body. <laughs> Weird little things like that, you know, in this 80s VHS retro kind of a style. All looks like a live-action Super Ted. Right. You know, it, it's deranged, it's hilarious, um, it's very sad and moving in places. I loved it. I really did. Is this going on wide release or is it more of an indie I think it is more of a limited release it's one of those where if you get it in a mainstream multiplex I think it'd be on like one screening a night Yeah, but I believe it is on demand so, oh, yeah, okay. I think it is on demand as well. So it's one of those one of those releases where it goes out on a small number of cinemas, but you get it on demand on the same day. Sweet. So, yeah. So and face multiplex or fifteen quid for at home. Think I'll pay the fifteen. So same, same price. Same price. So um, what have we got? Give me a piece of film news to crack on with real quick. What have we got? Um, well, one of my favourite uh, cast members from Mindhunter has um, been oh. cast in The Girl in the Spider's Web. Oh, that's the, the Mindhunter's the Netflix serial killer series. It is, yeah. Have they just greenlit a second one of those as well? Yes, they have, yeah. and I'm so pleased. In fact, actually, I don't think it's just greenlit. I think it's going to be coming out soon. Oh, okay. Yeah. That was quick then. Yeah. I'm well, very pleased. I've seen about three or four episodes. Loved it. Oh, it's amazing. Not a chance. So I know good. the guy you're talking about. Now, what's his name? So he plays in. I don't know what his real name is, but in Mindhunter, he plays the serial killer Ed Kemper. Yes, he's yeah. He's the first one they interview. He's yeah. nuts. Very much a Red Dragon kind of a quality to him. Yeah, isn't there? he's yeah. creepy. So he's joined the Girl in the Spider's Web as I believe a computer hacker friend of of uh, Elizabeth Sander. Should have known computer hacker. <laughs> if, if anyone sees a picture of him, they'll get that straight. Away, oh, very much. Um, <laughs> one thing I will say, they have also cast the male lead in that as well. You know, uh, uh what's his name? Blonquist, the, the reporter, 
the reporter, the main male character in the in the in the series. Oh, you know, in Mind Hunter. No, no, in in Girl with the Dragon. Oh. <laughs> Which are two very different things now. <laughs> so you've got Liz Sandy, You've also got uh, uh. Michael Blomqvist. They've recast they've recast him because she's Claire Foy from The Crown, right? And he is going to be Sveria Gudnason from Borg McEnroe. Oh, interesting. Good bit of casting. Uh, I kind of thought it was going to be Matthias Schoenatz, but uh, I think Case was, was gunning for that, to be honest. Yeah. But, uh, oh, Case loves a bit of Matty shoes. <laughs> but, yeah, so The Girl in the Spider's Web, directed by Fede Alvarez, who did uh, Don't Breathe. Mm-hmm. And he's out. Is it the end of next year? I think it's out. I don't uh, know. I look forward to it, nonetheless. Well, yeah. But I think it's the end of next year. So, uh, have we got a review to do? or uh, Oh, we've got a quick review. Quick one. Blade of the Immortal. What, what's okay. that all about? Blade of the Immortal, which is the 100th film by Takeshi Meek. Meek? Mike? 100th film. 100th. Oh, and, okay. uh, yes. So, this is based on the comic book series of the same name. Comic book series, manga series of the same name. Um, and the, the general, you've got an immortal who is, he's made immortal after. Does he have a blade? He does have a blade. He's made immortal after his face was disfigured and his sister, his grieving sister, was killed in front of him. Okay. He has then been doomed to sort of walk the earth forever. And then one day, I think about 50 years or a century after the inciting events that left him that way to begin with, mm-hmm. um, he is contacted by a young girl who actually does remind him of his sister and asks to help her avenge her murdered parents and hunt okay. down a gang of, uh, you know, basically sort of lo- kind of organ- organised criminal ties, sort of yeah. low-level, or, lo- low-level organised crime gang, only samurai. So what you've basically got is it plays kind of like Logan yeah. or a Western. I was going to say, this does not feel in any way like an original plot. Like, I feel like there's a lot of films that you could have given that exact same, apart from the immortal thing. But oh yeah, well, it, it's it's a very uh, very worn trope. Yeah, but the idea is actually it looks it's far fetched, it's yeah. eccentric, it's over the top gory, it's cartoonish. Oh, okay. It's almost you remember uh, when in Kill Bill when she fights the crazy ATA? Yeah, like that scene okay. all the time. <laughs> um, it's very it's very tightly uh, tightly compacted in the frame. It's which I think is actually sort of a criticism more than a blessing. Actually, um, I, for me, I thought it lacked scope because it tended to keep its action quite confined um and as such because this this wandering journey of a movie kind mm. of feels a lot more insular and smaller than it needed to be and is it subtitled i presume uh, it is subtitled it's two hours 20 minutes long Ooh. a good chunk of it's in black and white uh it's one of those where i sit there and think any fans of takeshi mike will absolutely adore it because it's all of his hallmarks but perhaps slightly sillier than you're used to mm. um i think those looking for a great sort of you know samurai western type thing to be honest, I think there are better ones out there. I mean, I kind of thought The Man with the Iron Fists was, was a bit better, to be honest. But, mm. uh, you know, my, my love of the RZA. So, <laughs> but, no, I, I say, there were moments in I had a lot of fun with it. So, uh, Takuya uh, Kimura, I think, who plays Manji, the lead, I thought he was very likeable in it. But it is very much a man with no name kind of a role. It's very yeah. much a, that that. Clint Eastwood, you know, the wandering stranger kind of a kind of a role. I'm, so I'm silent. Yes, yeah, silent but deadly. Kind of, kind of a character. <laughs> Sorry, just, I wasn't going to describe it as that because that is something else, fan. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if you saw something like the villainess recently, I think it does hold the villainess up in slightly higher regard. I think. Okay. I personally would rather watch the villainess again because I think that did something new and more inventive mm-hmm. with this sort of an archetype. But uh, it, it's not a complete miss by any stretch of the imagination. I had a lot of fun with it. So. Yeah, and they did give me a nice little fidget spinner, so... Oh, was, well, win. That was, that was very fun. I gave it to Calvin. How dare you. 
with the latest film news and reviews. This is Off Screen, the on-screen radio show. And we're back. So, Ms. Needham. Should we do another review? We should. I've actually seen this one too. You have, so better watch out. Better watch out. Which uh, comes to us from writer-director Chris Packover. Uh, relative unknown, I think he'd, he'd done something. Let me just find out what it was. He'd done something relatively uh, lower scale. I think it was still in horror, actually. Mm-hmm. It was. Oh, and it was undocumented. There you go. Okay, okay. so. <clears throat> which was a documentary, was it? Called Undocumented. Go for it, yeah. Um, <laughs> right, this is. <laughs> how to describe this. Well. Without spoilers. Without spoilers. Okay, so, I tell you what, shall I give you the plot synopsis from the trailer? Yes. That's a much better idea. Okay, so, the plot synopsis from the trailer is, there is a young, I think he's like 12-year-old boy, yeah. Luke, played by Levi Miller, his hapless stoner 12-year-old friend, uh, Garrett, played by Ed Oxenbold, mm-hmm. uh, from uh, Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. And The Visit. And The Visit, ho. And... <laughs> Because that's how you remember him. And, of course, Levi Miller himself is, was the, the lead in Pan. Yeah, which, which I promise is worse than you think it was. Yeah. Worse than you remember it being. I saw a bit recently. And the idea is uh, these two boys, well, in particular Luke, uh, is attempting to use this Christmas, this one Christmas night while his parents are out to try and seduce his 17-year-old babysitter the day before she moves away and goes out of his life forever. What He's could go to, wrong? He's going to consummate his love. What could possibly go wrong? Um, she is, of course, played by Olivia de Jong. Um, she has no interest in this underage boy for obvious reasons. Reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, Who would have thought? She's actually she's she's kind of a, an outright authority figure to him. Actually, she is. Um, she also has uh, a sort of douchebag on again, off again boyfriend played by Dacre Montgomery. Mm. She has a uh, a male friend who maybe something more as well. Who maybe a bit on the side. He's played by uh, Alex uh, Mychik. Yep. Um, Jeremy Ricky Ricky Jeremy is the boyfriend. And the whole idea is. <clears throat> On the night that Luke is going to try and seduce his babysitter, their time together is interrupted by home invaders, <gasps> forcing the two to, you know, to, to hide in corners and try and escape these deadly intruders. And Who could they be? Who could they be? And I, there might be something slightly more to it. Hmm. hmm. Here is a clip of Levi Miller trying to get his babysitter drunk. Luke? Lucas, what are you doing? Oh, you are? No, you're way too young to be drinking. Give me that. Oh, this? Yes, that. Give it to me. Lucas, stop. What has gotten into you? Once I mean Garrett drank a whole bottle. He puked so bad. He can't hold his liquor like me. Wow, I'm super impressed. Okay, now give it. Lucas, I'm so serious right now. Don't. Thank you. Pardon me. You forgot to shut the door, doofus. I absolutely did not know that that you Olivia de Jong is the uh, is the sister in the visit as well. Okay, yeah, yeah. fantastic. That that's brilliant. Actually, meta casting in a strange way. It is. Okay, so um, this is brilliant. Yeah. This is. St- 
stonkingly fun. This is absolutely the wild Christmas horror invasion thriller ride I wanted it to be. There are elements of so many great movies in this. Again, like Brigsby Bear, where it's taken great elements from great movies and done something wholly original with them. There is a moment, a sequence in this film that apes a, a, a certain family Christmas classic. It's brilliant. Um, that's not only brilliant, but will make this a meme movie. There's, there's a moment in this that's just going to be a meme forever. Yeah, I reckon so. Yeah, and it refers, obviously, to a certain Christmas film from the early 90s. Um, it's just terrific. A large, large part of the reason it works is, and I never thought I'd say this... <laughs> It's Levi Miller. He's genuinely brilliant in He's this. He's amazing in this. He really is. I, I hate myself a little for having to say it. But you can't stop watching him. No, there's something about him. He's so magnetic in this. Yeah. Also, over the top, a little bit silly, a little bit sadistic. Yeah, bless him. So much fun. Um, the thing is, I mean, if you know, if you're going with the trailer, the trailer has, through, through virtue of pull quotes and review quotes, has given you something of an indication as to where this actually goes. I'd say don't. Yeah, Don't avoid, avoid the trailer if possible. I will say it has. It's the third part of a, a trilogy that's evolving the same concept. One is the original family film version. The other is a sort of 2011, 2012 horror version of the mm. same thing. And now you've got this, which is sort of the bridging point between the two. What you've got is a film that is at once hilarious, as well as being sadistic, terrifying, and kind of magnetic and charming and alluring all at the same time. There's bits in here of American Psycho, of all things, and funny games and The Strangers and all All sorts sorts of things. Like I say, great bits from great movies used in an original and and wholly interesting, unique way. Just really unexpected. I think that's the thing. Very much so. I knew nothing. Yeah, I I didn't watch the trailer or anything. I knew absolutely nothing, and I think I enjoyed it so much more for it. That's it. I think the the surprise factor with it is is a very big thing. I think there are at least two points in the movie. In fact, pretty much with the act, with the first first to second, the Mm. second to third act, they do shift things up. Yes. In in a surprising and, and very energetic way. Yeah. That will have you just go, wow, okay, we, we're really doing this. Exactly. That's the uh, thought. Okay. The exact thought that I had so many times in this. It's like, like r- really? We, we're doing this? Like, okay. Uh, oh, sure. Okay. I'll go with that. <laughs> and then Dacre Montgomery turns up and you just think, oh, okay, I'm starting to like this guy. I never thought that'd happen. <laughs> like, it got pointed out to me, actually, he looks like what would happen if Channing Tatum and Zac Efron had a baby. I guess so. And now that I've now that I've, I've been told that, I can't unsee it. I feel like I now forgive him for Power Rangers. Yes. Well, I, I had that with Stranger Things. So, yeah. you know, because as Billy, you know, it's total hunk. <laughs> <laughs> Pure anti-Steve, you know. Um, but yeah, I really, really loved this. Um, I think if you, if you need a movie for this Christmas, like, just, you know, sack off Man Who Invented Christmas and the bad mums and the daddies. Just forget all those. Go and see this. Yes. If you're a horror fan, go and see it. If you're not a horror fan, if you're out of the horror game, you want to know what's going on in horror now, go and see this. It's brilliant. Another thing, uh, what's the movie I like uh, with the gambling games? Cheap Thrills. Cheap Thrills. I was excited. Bit like that. Exactly Bit like that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I love cheap thrills. Yeah, it was a good film. But uh, I made you. You will, yeah, you did. But you will have the same kind of. (gasps) Yeah, we're doing this. (laughs) 
<laughs> really? They're going to cook the dog? <laughs> and it's got Patrick Warburton in it. Yes, and Virginia Madsen as well. Yeah, I mean, so, what happened to her? I mean, Vir- she's back, clearly. Virginia Madsen is back. She's been on telly doing Designated Survivor. Uh, okay. uh, but I know, like, she was, you know, she was Hollywood's default B-list sex symbol for, like, ten years. Yeah, like And then she years. did Candyman and went away. And now she's back because Retro is in, and she's I guess playing. That kind of is what it is. Yeah, and she's playing sort of uh, middle-aged housewives or mums. Yeah, sort of weird, sexy mum. She does have a line of dialogue with Patrick Warburton, though, that is an absolute belly-bursting hilarity of a line. Ooh, I don't know which one you mean. I'll I'll tell it you yeah, after. Tell the, me after. It has to do with don't this. It. Has to do with his Christmas decorations. Oh yes, you know I the know line. What you, mean. you know the yes, line. Yes, yes, yes. Everybody in our press show howling with laughter at that point. <laughs> um, I will say this, though. There were a surprising number of people, like other critics I'd spoken to, um, who really didn't get it, did not get the film at all, oh. and who actually found it quite abhorrent, found it quite offensive in terms of just how out there it was with the gore, with the sadism, etc. People found that really off. Mm. Well, the fact that the comedy's in there should kind of tell you how this is meant to be taken, and... So obviously Maybe it's a generation thing. Yeah, be aware this is something then that you do kind of clearly have to you have to get on board with. Yeah. But provided you do, you are in for a hell of a time. So I mean you, you enjoyed it presumably? Definitely. I recommend it. I enjoyed it as well. So I'm definitely gonna give it film of the week. I would have thought so too. Oh yes. Um I'm Not gonna the dinner? Not the dinner, God, no. Um, I will say, though, (laughs) Brigsby Bear. If you get the chance to see Brigsby Bear, you owe it to cinema as a concept to see this movie. Yeah, you've made me excited for it. I want to go see it. Just do see it. You you may well hate it, but it's something different. It's something really different, and it does have charm, it does have fun, and it's absolutely worth seeing. Excellent. Okay, so... What about next week? What's coming up? Oh, next week. Well, I don't want to talk about the indie film yet. Um, Oh, I know which one you're going to talk about. Next week, there's The Unseen. That's the one. Right, that's right, like a no. Brit- that's like a British version of Don't Look Now. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah. We've got John Cena playing an animated bull in Ferdinand. Yeah. <laughs> We've got Mountain, a documentary nar- about a mountain, narrated by Willem Dafoe. Ah. As if to Steve answer Coogan. your question. Yeah, Steve Coogan doing it, yeah. Uh, we've got Bingo, King of the Mornings. What? Uh, right. This, I've seen this film. And we are going to be we're going to be talking to the director next week as well. I, I interviewed the director for this, Daniel Rosende. Uh, this is a Brazilian movie right. based on a true story about the guy who played Bozo the Clown in the eighties. Ooh, and I'm not this, sure how I feel about that. It's Goodfellas with a clown. Okay. Imagine that. Okay, I promise you, we're going to have so much fun talking about it. Okay. Uh, we've got Mountains Made Depart, which is an Asian film. We've got Shot Caller with uh, who's the dude who plays Jamie Lannister. Oh, his name. it's like a, an Icelandic sounding name. Oh, man, what is his name? I you know, know, just Jamie Lannister. Yeah. Okay. You know the one. Yeah, we've got the Prince of Nothingwood, and nothing could make me want to talk, uh, you know, any sooner about the, the small indie film that's going to round out the week, which is, of course, Star Wars The Last Jedi. Yeah. I, I don't know if you've heard of it. It's, it's this, I haven't, actually. It's this little sci-fi sequel that's coming out. You know. no, I'm not sure I'm into it. No, that's no, fair, that's fair. It's, it's not got any Harrison Ford in it, so... <gasps> <laughs> Could you bring that up? Yeah, a lot of people are very sore about that still. <laughs> <laughs> Has got Porgs, though, which makes me very, very oh happy. Oh my god, I am so I excited wait. about that. I can't wait for the Porgs. I need one. Oh, the bling, the digital bling that's showing up at this moment in time, by the way, <gasps> is a Porg. Okay. Right, because I wasn't going to go and get the Star Wars artwork. I thought, screw this, I'm just having a Porg. No, it's so, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Star Wars The Last Jedi is finally here. 
Now Next that's week. a Christmas movie. Now that's a Christmas movie that <laughs> doesn't involve Patrick Warburton. But, you know, just just see. Better watch out. Come on, just see it. It's so worth it. <laughs> In the meanwhile, this has been the Kelly Stoppage for On Screen. I've been Van Connor. I've been Kelly Needham. And we'll be back. Just show me the way to get out of here, and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Off Screen. For more news and reviews, visit onscreenfilm.com. Okay. Podcast extras. <laughs> really? Do <laughs> some vim and vigor, why don't you? Uh, so, uh, do you want to get a piece of film news before we do uh, Human Flow? Or? You want to do it? Yeah, 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 what do you want to do uh, film news-wise? What you got so, for me? I don't know much about it, but I heard that Matthew Vaughan is set to produce and possibly direct uh, the film Courage. I have no idea what it is. Hmm. I'll be really honest, not a clue. Some sort of sci-fi film. Oh, that was... Yeah, no, it is a sci-fi film, but they've not said what the plot or the details of it are. We just know it's a sci-fi film called Courage. That's why I don't know anything about it. There you go. Um, yeah, there's no details about it. It's just... Matthew Vaughn's doing a sci-fi movie, yo. So well, I don't feel so bad for not knowing anything about it, because yeah. there's nothing to know. Well, that's absolutely true. I mean, do you know anything about art? As a concept? Or? I mean, I, I kind of feel the same. I don't really know. <laughs> um, but I didn't know uh, Ai Weiwei. I did not know the name Ai Weiwei until about a year ago when his posters were all over the underground. Uh, and yep. uh, and I, I, I'll be honest, in passing, I thought his name was Al Weiwei. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, I feel bad about that. Because, you know, when you're on the underground, you don't really pay attention to the posters. You just kind of just walk past them and catch them in the blink of an eye. to be fair, it looks like Al Wee Wee. I'm it does sorry. look like Al Wee Because they always write the eye, it's just a, a straight line. Exactly. It's not, it's not like the break. So I just thought it was Al Wee Wee. Yeah, it's not our fault for being ignorant. No, we're not culturally insensitive at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, Ai Weiwei has mm-hmm. uh, released a documentary. About? It is called The Human Flow. Ugh. And uh, it's, it's not porn. That's what you're thinking. <laughs> it's a terrible name for porn, isn't it? I was thinking more, you know, going to the toilet. No, okay. It's not about uh, UTIs or anything. Don't okay, worry. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so it is, um, it's about uh, the global refugee crisis. It's about the situations that, uh, you know, the, the war, mm-hmm. humanitarian crisis, and stuff, that create an endless supply of refugees. Uh-huh. And basically what life is like for them. Um it, it, yeah, right. First and foremost, I have to say it's two hours and 20 minutes long, which is the same length as Blade of the Immortal. Mm. And, uh, this doesn't have kung fu fighting scenes to break it up. And um, it sounds quite heavy. That's a heavy is, subject. It's really heavy. Yeah. It's tremendous. Mm. It's absolutely tremendous. I mean, it really gets to, you know, it gets to, it gets to its point and it absolutely sticks you with that point. And you, you should be a real tough mother to not feel it. Yeah, well, fair enough. Uh, and, and of course, it looks amazing. It is so beautifully shot. Mm. However, it's two hours and 20 minutes long. So, of course, there's some time to fill. Once it's made that point, it wants to make that point again and again and again. Oh, dear. And again. And again and again. Um, and it keeps making this point. And to the end of it, you just feel pummeled. You feel absolutely beaten down by it. And I, part of me thinks that actually is the intention. Mm-hmm. I think that is intentional. I feel like that's part of the almost performance art-like conception of this film. Yeah. And if that's the case, which it very well may be, then hats off. That's an absolutely impressive result. You absolutely achieved what you set out to do. Um, if it's not, then obviously it's just bloated and over long and repetitive. Um, but... Visually stunning, 
makes its point well. Only problem is, repeats that point a lot. So it could have been more of a BBC-type documentary. You could have shortened this down, but I think uh, Weiwei's sort of artistic cred kind of ins- insists that this is not a straight-to-TV uh, production. He likes to, to do it his own way way. His own way way. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> really? I'm so sorry. <laughs> that is terrible. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. So, news me, Needham, what you got? <sighs> well, I want to know about this. Okay. Because I heard there's a new He-Man movie going. There is a new He-Man movie but coming. But the news is that David S. Goya... Is going to direct it? Yes, David S. Goya is going to direct uh, Masters of the Universe, as it's called. Of course. Because they couldn't just call it E-Man, that'd be too goddamn straightforward. People might know what it's about. Yeah, people might know, and they might think it sounds silly. But uh, Right, here's the thing. First of all, in 2017, you don't make He-Man first, you make She-Ra first. Ooh. That's 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 a no-brainer. You make She-Ra first. We have a serious vacancy in the market for uh, female heroes. True, uh, true. Wonder Woman's proven that they can make serious bank. So why And that not? then when you palmer off with the men, it's not as good. And then when you palmer off with the men, she gets objectified, <laughs> yeah. and there's no point to her anymore. She might as well not be wearing any sort of trousers. Exactly. Well, she's yeah. not wearing trousers anyway, but uh, you know what I mean. And, and her sole greatest gag in the whole movie is taken from its animated incarnation, so yay. Mm. Um, but enough about Justice League. Um, Sorry. Yeah, so here's the thing. Uh, David Goya, obviously, is the man who uh, created Blade as a film series. Right. I love Blade. So in one sense, David Goyer is almost responsible for the modern comic book movie movement. Ah, oh, true. He is also responsible, however, for writing Batman vs. Superman. Ooh. And Man of Steel. No, was it Batman vs. Superman? Yeah, he had a hand in Batman Superman and Man of Steel. I hate Man of Steel. Yeah, he is involved with the DCEU. Um, he is increasingly terrible a writer. Uh, there are people that think that uh, Blade Trinity is an abhorrent movie. <gasps> I, I don't personally think that at all. I think Blade 3 is perfectly enjoyable. Not Blade 2 is the bad one of the whoa, bunch. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, I'm not having that. Well, that was soap. Blade 2 is the worst. No, it's not. It's the Del Toro one, you maniac, with Ron Perlman in it. No, I disagree. Hell wrong with you. <laughs> anyway. Not so, enough time. So, uh, ignoring that, there are people who think Blade Trinity is the worst. No, no, it's not. Uh, anything David Goyer has done since is the worst. David Goyer is a man who once famously said, when you get, I feel like Batman versus Superman is something you do as a movie when you're finally willing to admit you've run out of ideas. Remind me again who wrote Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice? David S. Goyer. Shocker. Funny that. So, yeah. Um, yeah, he's 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 the guy they've chosen to direct a He-Man movie. He's taking over for McGee. So, you know, you sort of to fail fair, upwards though, with this I one. mean, He-Man is pretty lowbrow stuff, surely. You know, you say that. If you really dip into that animated series, there's a lot of stuff in there, actually. Yeah, well, but it's He-Man. You, you know, this is the thing, though, because the name suggests daftness that isn't inherently there, beyond the obvious 80s, you know, Chippendale-looking dude in the uh, metal armour. I only think of those adverts that are on these days. You I know, know I, I mean? know. Yeah, the, the dancing <laughs> thing. They're amazing. Told you, they should have done She-Ra first, and then just gone and got Dwayne Johnson to turn up in the sequel as uh, He-Man. And... Oh my god, he is He-Man! Oh, I just want to see him with the blonde. <laughs> Actually, do you know who should play He-Man? <laughs> who? Like, no word of a lie. This is who I would get to play he-man but you have to have to be a little bit meta about it you mm. have to you have to be willing to not take it so seriously to lean into the lantern jawed aesthetics of the character and really play with the conan conan-esque fantasy archetypes at work mm. this is who you get kellen lutz Ooh. 
no. Sounds insane, but just imagine Callan Lutz with that blonde mop on his head. Right? Yeah, looks the wise, metal but... armor. Mm-hmm. Winking at the camera. Dwayne Johnson style. He could do it. He, he could that would be the role that made him, actually. That would be the role that made him a star. Well And not just the nephew of the Thirty Rock character. Now been noted. There you go. So, uh, we got another review to do? We do, A Matter of Life and Death. Well, you might have seen this one. I have not. You've got grandparents. Have you not seen A Matter of Life and Death? Uh, I have a life? I don't know. (laughs) Okay, so A Matter of Life and Death, uh, also known as Staircase to Heaven, I think, in the US. Uh, Stairway to Heaven, Staircase to Heaven. Isn't that a song? (laughs) Yes, he's famous. Uh, Powell and Pressburger movie from 1946. Ah, that's why I've not seen it. Stars David Niven, uh, Kim Hunter. There's a little cameo in there for Richard Attenborough when he's really young, like Brighton Rock young. He was never young. I'm not having it. (laughs) Before he got to spared no expense. (laughs) Um, There are a lot of people who think that A Matter of Life and Death is the best movie ever made. There There are a fair few. In fact... There really is an argument that A Matter of Life and Death represents classical Hollywood better than even Citizen Kane. Okay. Which, I'm going to be controversial and say, I kind of would go with that, to be honest. There's something more brilliantly traditional about A Matter of Life and Death. You're going to have to tell me what it's about. Right, that's what I'm going to go to. Okay, so, David Niven is uh, a British aviator Mm -hmm. during World War II. Mm -hmm. Um, His plane is shot down. Yeah. His crew bail out. Okay, they they all die on the way down. Oh, okay. He's meant to die too. However, because of the fog over the channel at the time, yeah. the powers that be are unable to spot him in order to bring him up to the afterlife. So he oh. lands on Earth, basically born anew, huh. where he be, where he finds love with uh, a woman in the American military, played mm-hmm. by Kim Hunter. And uh, however, the afterlife comes a call. And his argument is, well, you know, you stood me up. I'm yeah, only on, your chance. I'm only on Earth because you messed up. And now, now I found love. So, you know, I feel like you owe me that now. So it goes to trial. Oh. Yeah. You know the story because you've seen it done in other yeah. other mediums, other shows, movies, and like that. You've seen this story done. I just didn't get it. There you go. All comes from this. So Alan Frank loves this movie, which surprises me. But Why does that surprise you? Because he never likes anything. (laughs) (laughs) I love Alan. Half the time, I don't think he likes me. (laughs) I'm kidding. He loves me like a son. But uh, (laughs) you better do. Anyway, um, but yeah, the movie absolutely holds up. It's now back. It's in a 4K restoration, which is all the rage. We get lots of old films back in in 4K restorations. I know Um, this is going to sound super stupid. Okay. Black and white. Uh, no, actually, um, certain scenes are in black and white, certain scenes are in colour. It was a big deal at the time. Right. Actually, it was a full-fledged Technicolor production, because obviously in 46, this still isn't really a commonplace thing. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Okay. You'll notice from the cast list that half your cast are in black and white and half of them are in uh, colour. Oh, I see. So, uh, yeah. But uh, the performances absolutely uh, just absolutely hold up. Uh, David Niven just has such charm. Like, it's, it's not hard to see why Niven was... Niven was... Uh, See our first Bond? I think he was the first Bond. Was he? In Casino Royale. Oh, the original enough. Casino Royale. Oh, well, I kind of yeah. assume. Which comes, you know, before Goldfinger. Before Goldfinger and Not to Know, sorry. Um, it is, it absolutely holds up. He's got the leading man charm. Kim Hunter's very likable in it as well. Um, it's a film that, if you haven't seen it for a long time, I hadn't seen it since I was a child. So I barely remembered it. I mean, I remember Mulan better than I remember, you know, Matter <laughs> uh, of Life and Death. And we talked about how little I remember of that. Um, I sat down, watched this, and I was just absolutely blown away. 
I just thought, I just, you know, there's something so wonderfully classical about something instantly iconic about this film where even if you've forgotten it, yeah. you look at you, oh, it's that. Oh, is it just, okay. is it one of those films that it's just like nice to watch? Well, it's not even that. I mean, yeah, it is nice to watch, but it's also, it's one of those films as well. It's, it's like when you watch 2001 now mm. and you think, Oh, if you, I mean, have you seen 2001 recently? No. Right, okay. If you watch that movie, do this as an experiment. Okay. Right, watch 2001 now. Okay. Okay. For presumably the first time. Mm-hmm. And just spot where all the things you've loved, sci-fi-wise, in your life, have borrowed from in that film. Okay. And Matter of Life and Death has loads of these as well. Okay. And even the staircase, there's a whole thing. You know the dream sequence from The Big Lebowski? Yeah. Like, that's in there. Like, that borrows from Matter of Life and Death. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's one of those just great, iconic movies that has led to so many more iconic movies. Cool. But, uh, yeah... But it absolutely holds up. And I think if you've never seen it, do see this on the big screen. It's so, such a great experience. Uh, if you have seen it, then you already love it and you'll want to see it again. So go and see it anyway. So but basically everyone should everyone go and see should it. Everyone should go and see it. I think everyone should go and see it. Double and, bill with better watching look, look at that image. Look at that image there. You see what I mean? Oh, like, I recognise that. You know that image. That's the staircase. Ah, yeah, you see what I mean? It's one of those movies where you're like, oh, I know that and I know that. and Yeah. Yeah. Cool. It's kind of like how you don't have to have actually seen Citizen Kane to know most of the scenes from Citizen Kane. True. Yeah. Exactly like that. So... Over, oh, cool. to you. Over to you, dear. Do you want some more news? I do. News this me. one is really unsurprising. Is it really unsurprising? Really Ooh. unsurprising. Go on, what you got? Um, so within 24 hours, the yeah. Avengers trailer basically broke the internet. <laughs> okay, right. I want to find this out. <clears throat> so um, when we did the last show, Case and I were doing the recording, and at the point that we were doing the podcast extras... The trailer came out. Yes, because it was my birthday, and I was like, well, "What a lovely birthday gift!" Yeah, I think I'd already, I think I'd already sent you a happy birthday, so I'm immune now. <laughs> um, but here's the here's the brilliant thing. Um, I, I just typed "immune" into my iPad because I said the word out loud. Well, why not? Uh, so, uh, Avengers: Infinity War. The trailer came out sort of two minutes before the end of the last uh, podcast. Yeah. Case and I then just instantly dismissed the rest, sacked it all off. We're like yada yada yada, moment the cage. Went and watched it. Were blown away. How many times did you watch it? Do I give you an honest answer is the question. <laughs> I'm going to have to do some of that math. Like, how many people have you slept with? And then you know you have to times it by three, divide it by seven. Like. Yeah, um, I I think it's I think it's five or six times. Wow. I, I love it so much. I do. I have um, to say, it gave me chills. I just have so many questions. Like, why does Stark have an alien art reactor? Yes! What... what it, it's on him in civilian clothes. Why is he wearing it? Where, what's going know. on? What is happening? Uh, how, how's Molnir back? Uh, you know, but Bucky's back. You know, like what? What the hell? It's too many things. So, so many. So questions. much going on. Um, I can't find the official one. On oh, hang on. So I think I found it. This is the Marvel Entertainment official feed, right? Okay, with the with mm-hmm. the Avengers. This is live as of right now. Okay. Okay. So this is what this is. Uh, this is nine p.m. on on Thursday. Yeah. Okay. So it's been out for a week and a day. Yeah. Okay. It says here ninety point eight million. What? Right. This is the most successful, most viewed movie trailer ever. It was within 24 hours. Now, the reason I think that number could actually be genuine is it had 2.4 million within 24 hours. Wow. 
So, you know, we use the magnetic effect, the, the sort of the roll-on effect, exponential, etc. You tell two friends, they tell two friends. People watch it five or six times. People watch it five or six times, you know, chumps who clearly have no life. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. I, do, I feel like it's the kind of trailer where you have to watch it multiple times because there's so much going on it in there. It really is. And you have to be like, oh, what was that? Oh, I missed that bit. Ooh. Also, I, I, well, I'll be honest, I kind of missed a lot because I was kind of quoting along with the, there was an idea to assemble a group of extraordinary individuals so that when we needed them, they could come together to fight the battles we could every time. <laughs> I have to say, I mean, as much as I love it, mm. for me, the best trailer that's come out recently has been Black Panther. Oh, yeah. That trailer so needs to slick. win awards. What is that? It's so amazing. Good. Have you seen the new poster that's come out today? No. There is a new poster. It has just come out this <laughs> evening. Uh, I will try and pull it up for you uh, on the tablet here. When so. is Black Panther coming out? Uh, I believe it's February. Oh, it's too far. I believe it's February because, uh, obviously, Avengers is, is March. Uh, is, is Sorry, is uh, April. Oh, God, you got me so excited then. I mean, I know April's only a month after that, but I was like... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, hang on a second. Let's see if I can find you this uh, this wonderful poster. There it is. Here we are. Hang on. There you go. That is the new poster for Black Panther, and they're oh, leaning heavily into the sci-fi wonder world of it. Which honestly, it just I just because I know nothing about Black Panther as well. Mm. I was just like, what is this amazingness? If you'd like to see a sort of sample without any spoilers of what of, of this movie, if you'd like to actually see a sample of what Black Panther could be, yeah. there's an animated movie called mm-hmm. Ultimate Avengers. Okay. Uh, was Ultimate Avengers, and then they did a sequel. Mm-hmm. Ultimate Avengers, I think it's like Claws of the Panther or something like that, or Rise of the Panther, in which the Avengers team up with the Black Panther in Wakanda. Okay. And it's pretty good. Both those movies are pretty good, actually. But they are the Ultimate versions of the characters. Well, I'm really excited. I'm not surprised that Avengers has broken the internet because, oh my God, we need the film now. Well, can we talk about one key thing? Because Please. if Marvel and Fox get their stuff together, mm. right? <gasps> which looks like it might happen. No. Right? right, first of all, I've got a theory about that. Okay. Okay, apparently it could happen as early as next week. What? Here's, yeah, as early as next week. We could have an announcement next week. <gasps> here's Here's my theory on that. Disney okay. will announce that on Thursday. Ooh. They will announce that on Thursday when they already dominate the news. Interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think that's what's what I think that's what'll happen. Okay. And then the day after they'll rub it in even further and give us a new wrinkle in time trailer or something. Man, but Disney. here's where it ties into Black Panther. How? If Disney gets Fox, yeah. they've got Black Panther's wife. Oh, is she an X Man? Storm. Oh what? Storm's his wife. I had no idea. There you go. Well, I told you I knew nothing about it. Well, at one point, Ooh. at one point, the Black Panther and Storm uh, fill in for uh, Reed Richards and Sue Storm in the Fantastic Four. Well, I can't bear Fantastic yeah. Four, but I do think that I wasn't a comic book fan, so I've only seen the film, so that's uh, okay. why I don't like them. The second one actually does get pretty close to being uh, kind of accurate, but uh, anyway, hmm. side of point, Doctor Doom sucked. Anyway, uh, what have we got to review? Should we talk about Menashe really quickly? Let's do it. I'm so glad you said it, because I panicked, thinking, I can't remember how to say this. <laughs> right, so Menashe. Also, weirdly, what Ja Rule shouts out when he's losing the race in the first Fast and the Furious movie? Is it? <laughs> I, I, it sounds like it. I've never known what the actual word is. Can you do an impression for me? Menage! <laughs> no! Menage! Nipsey! <laughs> <laughs> right, so this is uh, set in the uh, Orthodox Jewish community in Brooklyn. Okay. 
Right. So although the way the film is staged, it could very easily be taking place in Israel, and you wouldn't know. Because it's in Yiddish, right? It's in Yiddish, but it's so uh, it's so insular within this community. It doesn't okay. really step out of the community at any point. They, they don't fly or wander down Manhattan or anything like that. You, you really don't know half the time. This is Brooklyn. Okay. Um, so the whole thing's basically subtitled. It's about uh, a widower, Menashe, of the title, mm-hmm. um, who is attempting to uh, secure custody of his son. His son has been taken away by his late wife's family, who, as they put it, see him as being unfit to be a single... It's not right that he's a single parent. It's not a thing that gets done in the Orthodox Because he's a man. Yeah. Okay. Um, that obviously they'd be more willing if he, if it were he that had died and it was the mother who had yeah. survived. Right. Other way around, though, doesn't quite work. What they say is, go and find yourself an honest wife. And, you know, you can have your son back. We don't want, it's not that we want to keep him away from you. We are simply interested in the best upbringing he can have. And the best upbringing he can have is with an actual family. That's how they see it. Hmm. But, um, he, he basically finds the situation kind of intolerable. He doesn't like the idea of for, you know, forced dating, as it were. Yeah. And he finds himself going on sort of arranged meetings and that. And them not going really that well because he's kind of upfront and honest about it. I need me a wife so I can get my son. But yeah, and at the same time, it causes him to sort of question his faith, to, to question the relationships he has, to basically question his own fitness as a father, for instance. Okay. And this is all leading up to pretty much the memorial for his wife as well. Oh, God. Yeah, I know. Um, it's really, it's interesting at times. At other times, it feels incredibly dense. In the in in the character uh, in the character stakes, it feels like you're really going into this for an exploration of the minutia and the uh, yeah. and the back and forth. But um, I, to be honest with you, I mean, because it is the guy's name actually is Menashe. Mm. Uh, Menashe Lustig is actually a genuinely charismatic performer in this sort of dowdy kind of downtrodden, beaten down, subtle kind of a way. Yeah, and he is quite compelling as a result. Uh, I, I liked I, I liked the film on the whole. I didn't come away from it punching the air or anything. You know? <laughs> I didn't immediately want the Menashe action figure or anything like that. Um, but I did think it was quite an impressive film. It's made by uh, Joshua Weinstein. No relation, before you ask. Um, I wasn't going to. Yeah, because this is the thing. Everyone named Weinstein has changed. I don't know if he's They're all it. now making statements on their IMDb pages, yeah. Hang on. Uh, he, oh, he, apparently he didn't uh, doesn't speak Yiddish. He had to use a translator on the set. Oh. Uh, oh, no, it doesn't say on his biography that he's not related to Harvey Weinstein. They all tend to do that now. Every Weinstein in the world yeah. has added, You've got to make the I am not related to Harvey Weinstein, on their IMDb page. Even when they are. Even when they are. <laughs> <laughs> um, to be but, fair, I'd uh, want to distance myself too. I don't want to distance myself before he had a sexual assault scandal. The guy was oh, a slime yeah. to begin with. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, anyway. Uh, so, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I can't, can't say much bad about it beyond, beyond the fact that it occasionally is a little bit too dense. But uh, I would say it's 82 minutes. It, it's, it, so it's not a big investment of time. It's not a massive investment of time. It's rated you. It's kind of unthreatening. It's very much a soul-searching drama. And that performance at the centre really works. Cool. So, over to you. Do you want to talk about another slime ball? Another slime ball? you got a slime ball for me. What you got? <laughs> well, Bohemian Rhapsody <coughs> apparently has now been shut down. Oh, no, no, no. Hang on. No, no, no. no that, that, first of all, that's part one of a three-part story. What? <laughs> oh, 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 strap yourself in. This is good. <laughs> okay. Okay. Right. Do you know Brian Singer? Yes. Right. Brian Singer, who... 
I'm, you know, I've got theories about, I, I think something's coming. I think something, something's coming. You know, every now and again, uh, you, you get that feel like Louis CK had it recently where mm-hmm. four hours of voice film was going to premiere. They canceled it because yeah. they knew something was coming. Yeah. And yes, something came and it wasn't good. Well, Brian Singer has this every couple of years. So if it came again for Brian Singer, it wouldn't be terribly surprising. Right. Hasn't it already come for him? Though? Twice. Yeah. Mm, twice, yes. Hence my slime ball coming. Yeah, yeah. Well, now it turns out he went away for Thanksgiving and never returned. Is he, you know, just trying to find himself, just trying to really reflect no, on things? No, he's, he's, uh, uh, he's claimed it was due to a family health issue involving mm. his parents. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he didn't return. He didn't tell anyone. And uh, the cinematographer had to fill in directing for a few days. Okay. They then shut the film down entirely. And then two days later, they fired Brian Singer. Mm. They also terminated his development deal with the studio and cleared out all his offices. Mm. Yes. That's a little odd. Um, they then hired Dexter Fletcher to direct the final two weeks of the film. Who's Dexter Fletcher? Dexter Fletcher. You, you If you go uh, down the feed, you'll probably find a picture of him. Uh, Dexter Fletcher is... Oh, sorry, up the feed. Um, Dexter Fletcher is the director of Sunshine on Leaf and Eddie the Eagle. So, ah, there, you, you know when you see him. Yes. Yep. He was going to direct ah. Bohemian Rhapsody. He was what, originally? To, uh, not originally, secondly. Okay. Right, he was going to direct it with Ben Whishaw playing Freddie Mercury. Okay. Right. Roughly just as Sunshine and Leith was getting a release. Mm-hmm. Right. That then didn't happen. Uh, then it became Brian Singer, and then it became Romy Malek, and that's what we have now. To be honest with you, I half expected Brian Singer to have dropped out by now. Uh, turned out, yeah, half right. So, Dexter Fletcher is back in the running, and there we are. Well, good for him. And Brian Singer is now looking for a uh, new filmmaking home, which mm. is very odd, but okay. I mean, it just seems a very extreme set of circumstances for a uh, man who gave you the X-Men franchise. I think we all know what's coming. Just saying, there's something coming there. We but all know. I, I really think there's something coming. And especially with that track record. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway. Moving on. Yeah. Something a bit lighter. I mean, God's sake, the man that made Kevin Spacey a star. <laughs> Oh, cinema. <laughs> um, the Westboro well, Baptist Church drama thing. Yes, yes. We are getting a Webtist. Oh, a Webtist? A Webtist church. We're a Webtist. I Webtist. cannot wait for this. I love this stuff. We've got a couple of them. Oh, really? We've actually got a couple of West, uh, Westboro Baptist church movies coming. Because there's one that's going to be based on the biography of, you know, the daughter that escaped? Yes. She's getting a movie made, like a, bi- a biopic made. Mm. Because didn't she escape with her younger sister? Yeah. And then effectively has raised the younger sister. And she was like a mother figure. Yeah, and she's now doing TED Talks and all sorts of stuff. There you go. Um, so there's that going on. We've got that one going on on one side. At the other side, Rod Lurie is going to direct Hate a Love Story. Nice. Which is another story involving Westboro Baptist Church, which is going to be about um, the name. I'm trying to remember the name of the soldier. I think Matthew Snyder was mm. a, a marine, uh, a marine, a marine lieutenant. I think who was killed in action. Okay, and they protested his funeral, and the marine's father sued them. Oh, good for him. Got all the way to the Supreme Court, and then was then told, "No, they're allowed to do it. It's freedom of speech." Oh God, it makes me angry. Uh, Matthew, Lance Corporal Matthew Snyder, yes. 
Uh, it should be mentioned, his father, whilst all this was going on as well, his father mm. was a gay man with a dying partner at the time. Oh, God. So, yes, this story has heaps of tragedy on there. Please get Brian Cranston for this. This just sounds <gasps> so much like a Brian Cranston movie. I would watch that movie in a heartbeat. Brian Cranston should do every movie. Well, there is that, except <laughs> the other one about the escape, Westboro escaping daughter. He can do it. Uh, unless he's playing Fred Phelps, which I could totally see. No, don't do that. I could see him doing that. Clean no, shaving. Yeah, no, no, I don't like it. Uh, one more review, then what we got? Uh, oh, no, we've not got any more reviews. We no, do. We're oh, okay, so just over to the news then. Okay. So what about Little Mermaid? So speaking earlier, as we were about Disney live action. Yeah. Seems like they've got a bit of a favourite, which is Rob Marshall. Rob Marshall. I've met Rob Marshall. I don't know him. What What has he uh, done? Well, I met him when he was doing Into the Woods. Oh, he, he directed that. Interesting. He also directed Pirates of the Caribbean Ooh. on Stranger Tides. Remember that one? Oh, yeah, the one that I genuinely couldn't to. remember happening. Is that the one where at some point he's in some sort of wheel? Say he ejects power and he's like, no, that's the second one. He runs that's through it. a yeah. The fourth one is the one with the mermaids and Sam Claflin. And I think that's and the one Ian I haven't McShane. seen. Oh, maybe I haven't and, seen it. And Penelope Cruz is going around oh, impersonating yes. Jack Sparrow. I don't know. I, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, I think I tried watching it when the fifth one was out, and I was just like, good Lord, this is terrible. Turn this off. Uh, yeah, so Rob Marshall's the top choice. Apparently they've offered him, and uh, he said, I'll get back to you after the holidays. <laughs> Fair enough. So I'm just like, well, what do you think's going to happen? Someone's just going to leave you a better script as a Christmas present? What? Maybe they've tried to add in another white female psychic. <laughs> <laughs> flounder, screw yeah. him. <laughs> yeah, F- Flounder is now played by Tina Fey. You know. Oh, actually, <laughs> I should. I'd watch that. Yeah, <laughs> right. Just, just hear me out on this one. Who do you cast as Ariel in a live-action Little Mermaid? Do you know? I, I'm, I hate to say this. I feel like she's getting too old, and I feel like maybe it's a bit pre- predictable. But cool. Amy Adams. Amy Adams. I know she's already done the whole enchanted thing. But she's, she's also decades too old. For... I know, but she's like... Ariel must be fifteen. Technically, but they won't actually make her 15 because of the whole love story stuff. They can't do that. She'll well, be no, she'll be like 17, but yeah. No, but she's, and I know she's told, I said that at the start, mm. but she's like perfect. She's got the innocent eyes and the red hair already. Duh. She would have been so good. Yeah, that's fair. What about you? Uh, Ariel Winter. No, how dare you? Why? How dare you? I can't say on this podcast without. Really offending somebody. (laughs) Mainly Ariel Winter. Sorry. I like Ariel Winter. How dare you. Okay, fair enough. Why are we saying this? It realistically be Bella Thorne. What are we talking about? You you know it's going to wind up being Bella Thorne. It will, won't it? Totally will. Oh, man. Because Disney will basically look and say, we need a redhead. Who have we got on staff? Oh, man. And they go, well, Disney Channel's got a contract with Bella Thorne. They'll be like, yeah. Anyone else, please. What if it was someone like Selena Gomez? No. This is the problem, you see. You are a girl of a certain age. Okay, which you. Right, you are a girl of a certain age <laughs> that basically immediately solidifies that you grew up with The Little Mermaid. It is like my second favourite Disney film. Of course it is, because for every woman between 25 and 35, that is the case. Don't reveal my age. <laughs> but that is the case. Yeah, that's true. You know, my, my sister drove me insane as a kid with The Little Mermaid. I was so tired of seeing it. But uh, although, you know, I can still do all the all the lyrics to Under the Sea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all can. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and kiss the girl. But um, it's, it's a character that is like Belle. It, it's exactly like casting Belle. Nobody yeah, was happy. Yeah, they got that so wrong. You say that, I'm not massively in love. I, I think Little is a great movie, I think, but I'm not, I don't revere it as the sacred text. Mm. The idea of casting Emma Watson, for me, as Belle, 
the minute I saw the bonjour scene, I was like, oh, okay, it works. I'll, I'll, I'll go with this. That's fine. You're wrong. I have Move a feeling on. Little Mermaid will go the same way. <laughs> Move on. We're never going to agree on this. It, it's This is the thing. It's too sacred to your, it's your gender and age bracket. That's the problem. It is. But, yeah. Anyway, uh, Michael B. Jordan. So he's joined Short Term 12 Helmers. Just mercy. I don't even know what I just said. Okay, well, Short Term Helmer. Uh, Short Term Helmer? <laughs> Short Term 12 is a movie starring Brie Larson. A uh, very good movie. Mm. Uh, Just Mercy is uh, the new film from the director, whose name I actually forget, um, in which Michael B. Jordan will play a young lawyer who's out to defend the vulnerable from the wicked justice system. Yeah, go wicked him. corrupt justice system, which is one of the things we think, if you think it's a corrupt justice system, why are you a lawyer? Because uh, he can change the world, man. Yeah, of course he can. Okay. Good on him. Yes, that's fair enough. Uh, Fox is planning a live-action adaptation of Goldie, Goldie Vance. Vance. Yes, um, I, I can see even a little image there. This is uh, this is kind of a big deal, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, this is a comic book series about a uh, mixed race uh, teenage girl lives on a in, a in a I think it's like a Florida resort. Okay, and her her dream in life is to become the on-staff detective for the resort. For the resort. Oh. To solve all Every the cases. resort has one. However, you know, uh, her, uh, her, her you know, sort of imaginary adventures do lead her to cross paths with an international crime syndicate. Oh, it's always the way, isn't it? Yeah. This could be awesome. Okay. Make this movie. Make it right now. Sign Zendaya to a five-film contract. Get this movie going. We, sure. we need more films like this. <laughs> I, I would absolutely see that. Okay. Uh, see what else we got. Oh, have you heard about the Deadpool 2 thing? No. Right. To promote Deadpool 2, the Brazilian Comic-Con is this weekend. Okay. They put out a video of Ryan Reynolds in the Deadpool gear offering free tattoos to anyone who went registered. What? <laughs> Giving them a choice of something like five Deadpool designs that you could have properly tattooed. Not like a temporary tattoo, properly tattooed on you. By Ryan Reynolds? Not by Ryan Reynolds, oh. by a team of actual tattoo artists oh, okay. that Fox have paid for to be at the Brazilian Comic-Con. Oh, wow. I'm just putting it out there. If they did this in London, I'd be the first one there in line. I think Case's roommate would be the second person there. To be fair, it wouldn't be your worst tattoo. To be fair, thank you. <laughs> uh, Tell me about Crenshaw. I'm, I'm intrigued. What oh, is this thing? Crenshaw is a, a very popular children's book, it turns out. Okay. Right. About a giant cat. No, as you can see from the you can see from the picture, it's a giant cat. That I believe that's the cover of the book. Aww. Uh, James Mangold is going to direct a live action version of this, and he's the one from Logan, right? Uh, he's the guy he directed Logan, and I think he had some time off afterwards because this week he just seems to keep announcing projects. To be fair, if I'd done Logan, I'd need a good year, two years off after that. That must have been like whew, intense. Such a good movie. It is, but it's really intense. is. Um, so this is uh, this is a young boy whose family are all fall on hard times, mm-hmm. and his, his his former imaginary friend, a giant cat named Crenshaw, yeah. returns to him to help him through the rough patch. That's Aww. that's the story. And uh, sounds it, delightful. It does, doesn't it? Um, I actually interviewed J- uh, James Mangold years ago mm. for the Wolverine. Do you remember oh, did that? Did he do that? He did that. That's yeah, the one did... that's mainly in like Japan. Yeah, right? he did the second and third. Uh, Wolverine mm. movie, so yeah, yeah. So, Excellent. But, uh, uh, Quentin Tarantino might be <laughs> oh, extending himself into even. Star Trek. Oh. I can't even believe I just read that. I, I, it's what? heartbreaking, isn't what? it? Apparently, he pitched the story for Star Trek Four. Okay, and uh, J.J. Abrams loves it. 
and he's assembled a writer's room to try and develop this idea into a movie so that he can produce it and Tarantino can allegedly direct it. But aren't we still mad at Tarantino for the whole Weinstein thing? I thought we were still mad at him. Uh, I've been mad at Tarantino for years for well, yeah, uh, appropriating black culture, for, well, generally shoddy filmmaking, for passing mere imitation off as art. Mm. Uh, the list goes on. Generally being a douche, to be honest. Uh but, you know, if you want to take aim in for this, then go right ahead. Fair enough. Oh, we have, got, we have to talk about Coco and Olaf, don't we? What has been going on? <laughs> I still haven't seen Coco, but now right. I'm like, mm. I know I'm going to turn up like an hour after it's meant to right. start. <laughs> this is, actually, you don't have to anymore. That's the point. Oh. Well, so Case and I mentioned this briefly last week. Mm-hmm. So Coco has been going down a storm in the US. Yeah. They've had a few sc- uh, few screenings on here. Yeah. Um, I've been invited to a couple of them. I just, they've clashed with other things. I had the choice the other night of seeing Coco or Jumanji. I'll give you three guesses where I went. Mm, yes, Jumanji. I went to the rock movie, yes. <laughs> I would have made that choice too, I'll be honest. Y- you kind of would, wouldn't you? Like, yeah. Well, I know the Pixar one's going to be good. Yeah. I don't know about Jumanji, though. That's an unknown quantity. <laughs> don't tell us anything about it. Yet. I'm embargoed. Ooh, and the good. worst part is I've forgotten when the embargo drops. So Excellent. I kind of just have to shut up forever, really, and wait for other people to talk. I'm very pleased about Jumanji coming out. Yes, Very I am pleased. as well. Anyway, uh, Coco. Anyway, so, uh, right, so Coco comes with a 25-minute-long Olaf short before it. Surely you can't call it a short anymore. Well, it's called A Last Frozen Adventure. It was designed as a TV special, hence why it neatly fits into a half-hour slot with adverts. Uh. Um, people have not been happy about it. This is what Case and I were saying last week. There's been a lot of backlash online. Is it because um, of the length? Is it because of the actual thing There's the length of it. There's the length of it. You sit through half an hour of of ads and trailers. And then then half an hour. Sit through half an hour of let's promote Frozen. Yeah. You know, let's promote the franchise we actually care about. There's also a a certain racial element that's not gone unnoticed, which is isn't it interesting that Disney put out this uh, this film aimed largely at uh, you know Latino cultures, Latin Americans, etc. And have then stuck their Nordic white people thing before it. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's been said a lot on Twitter. That's very interesting. Yeah. And that's something that, as a white woman, I wouldn't have picked up on. So that is interesting. Yeah. It, it, it's these things I wouldn't have considered it. Pop, and to be fair, that's one of the things you wouldn't consider if it wasn't happening to you. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Disney have responded by pulling it. Well, good. Yes. So if you want to see it, uh, God knows now. Although I'm pretty sure there'll be a special edition of Frozen released now with it on. Snore. Well, isn't there a... I didn't even really like Frozen. Oh, I know that's sort like of Frozen. Frozen. to a lot of people, but it was fine. Frozen was good. I like Frozen. It was fine. Can still sing the song. <laughs> I'm sure you can. I do in the car all the time. I will freely admit I do <laughs> sing. I sing Let It Go in in the car. I really do. Do you know where I do sing it? Go on. In the shower. Because the acoustics are amazing. What is that from? <laughs> Scrubs? Is that Scrubs? Someone please tell me where that's from. I have no idea. It sounded like Scrubs. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I feel like I've skipped something in the news. There was something I wanted to talk about. I absolutely lost it. Um, I don't know. I think I'm out. I think, are we actually out? Yeah, I'm sure. Oh, they're going to remake Cleopatra Jones at something. What's that? Blaxploitation uh, classic. Remember uh, Foxy Cleopatra in Austin Powers ah. 3? Where do you think that was ripped off from? I thought that was a purely original concept. Nothing about Beyonce is an original concept. She's just <gasps> Tina Turner for a new for millennials. How dare you! <laughs> <laughs> 
That's something she's never been called before. <laughs> yes, well. Well, actually, until Tommy Lauren got hold of her on Twitter yesterday, that was interesting. Ooh, I didn't see that. What was that? Oh, uh, Tommy Lauren. Uh, Tommy Lauren took issue with uh, Beyonce giving uh, an achievement award to Colin Kaepernick. Huh. Yeah. The beehive ain't going to be happy. Yeah. Oh, well, there is one piece of news. You know The Shape of Water? I don't. Right. You're not aware of this film at all? No. Okay, so this is the latest film by Guillermo del Toro. Oh. It opens, I think, over Christmas in the New Year. It opens in the, Chris, in, in the Christmas holiday in the US, I think. And I oh, know it's now. It opens now in the US, and I think it's towards the backside of the Christmas holiday here. Okay. Uh, this stars Sally Hawkins as a, I think she's, she might be, she's, Mute or deaf? She speaks in sign language anyway. Okay. And she works in a Cold War era underground laboratory, basically as a janitor. Okay. And uh, her only friend is Octavia Spencer. If you're going to have a friend... You've got to have Octavia Spencer. Yeah. Know, right? So she discovers that this underground secret laboratory has <laughs> a pool of water containing a fish man. What? Who looks an awful lot like Abe Sapien from Hellboy. <laughs> that There is genuine talk that this actually is a sidequel to Hellboy, that this could be Abe Sapien. Well, Sapien. there seems to be a connection between those two films. Mm. Mm. And the idea is it's a love story between this oh, mute woman gross. and Psychic Fishman. Okay. And apparently a full-blown, full-blown physical love story. We're talking Splice. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. So, a woman and fishman. Not one for the kids. Not one for the kids. Um, it looks fantastic. It's had really good reviews. I've got a few friends who've seen it, uh, like LFF and evening screens, etc. And they all have come away raving about it. Okay. Um, it's quite a low budget thing, but still, Tara, he makes a lot work with very little. Um, apparently, it was almost even less of a budget, though. He wanted to make it in black and white. Oh. Yes, to, to go with the whole B-movie grindhouse. Well, no, I think that probably would have worked. Um, apparently, it was just a ploy, though, to get more money out of them. Oh, I see. They then said, oh, we'll oh. give you more money if you make it, and we'll give you twice the money if you make it in colour. He's like, all right, cool. You only get away with that one, surely. Yeah. Um, he has turned around and said, though, he's not going to pull a Mad Max, he's not going to pull a Logan, there will not be a black and white version put out later. Like, that's yeah, not going to happen. Yeah, he says it now. I don't know. He tends we'll to stick see. to his word. We'll but, see. Uh, it looks terrific anyway. I can't wait. I, I, I watched the Movie Bob review earlier. He was he was quite a fan. So you yeah. said it's out Christmasish. Christmasish. Okay, cool. Christmasish. We shall find out for sure. But I think it's Christmasish. <laughs> <laughs> but alas, that is all we have time for really this week. Then nothing we'll, else to nothing else to do. We have chewed all the fat. If only so. there was some sort of moment that we could share. You mean like a moment? Of cage. You fire that weapon, 20 pissed off prisoners are going to hear it. Comprende? Essay? <laughs> well, hooray for the sounds of f- silence. <laughs>